Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Welcome to Crunch Time. In the run came from behind by Brody Smith. Outside of the boot, rolls inside 50 past Daniel. Trapped here by McHenry for the quick reply for the Adelaide Crows. Wow. Ball spilled out to Dunkley. Back to back for the Bulldogs are in front. Tex Walker on the boundary line. He's a beautiful sweet kick of the footy. Tex has kicked his third. Snap to the right. Blake Akers has kicked the best goal of his career from the Jack Nunes pocket, which was a dagger in the heart of the Dockers a few years back. And there's the return serve from Blake Akers. A goal of the year contender from Blake Akers as the Dockers move to second on the ladder and prove they are the real deal. And how about those Adelaide Crows? A shock one-point win over the Doggies in Ballarat. What next for the dogs? Can they recover at two and four? Oh, well, not obviously nowhere near at the standard at the moment. So um, inability to sustain effort and intensity and work rates not there at the moment and supply is our biggest issue. So um, I think the first quarter might, might have broken even. Um, looked like they were really up for the fight and the pressure was there and you know it was, it was a pretty tight game but you just can't sustain it, so um, we've got to get better, um, and that's collectively. We've just got to stay positive, Sam. Uh, we've got some challenges on our hands um, in various shapes and forms, and, and uh, um, but today, yeah, we were we looked looked a fair way off it there, unfortunately. So we've got we've got a lot of work to do. Plenty of questions that need answers at both the Western Bulldogs and West Coast. What can the Eagles salvage out of season 2022 and where does their list sit? We'll unpack all of that and more on Sunday Crunch Time. Good morning, everyone. Great to have your company on this fine Sunday morning. Another long weekend. My name is Nat Edwards and joining me this morning is Josh Jenkins. Liam Pickering to join us after midday. JJ, how are you? Good morning, Nat. Good morning to uh, everyone listening, tuning in and coming uh, to unpack a a weekend of footy. Not as many games as we'd normally have to... um, to get stuck into, but perhaps that gives us a little bit more time to work out what in the world is going on with the Dogs and the Eagles. 
Yes, exactly. I mean, the dogs are the big disappointment for mine sitting two and four currently at the moment, and you just don't know what to make of them. I know there's personnel missing, and we'll deep dive into that a little bit more um, later on. But interesting, isn't it, that four finalists from last year's Port Adelaide, the dogs, GWS and Essendon, all currently sitting outside the top eight, and it just shows with the likes of Fremantle and St Kilda right up there at the top of the ladder too that things can turn around so quickly in football. Yes, well, I mean, we were talking all week. I spoke all week on um, on uh, SEN, of course, about the, I guess, Melbourne and the rest. And, and we spoke last week about Melbourne versus the field, perhaps. Would you take Melbourne or would you take the field? But there's a very real chance that, you know, I think most of us expect Brisbane to take care of Gold Coast this afternoon. And I think Sydney will handle Hawthorne, your Hawks. Mm. All of a sudden, we'll have... Four teams at five and one, as well as the D's who can only be at five and one at worst. So perhaps perhaps there is a pack at the top of the ladder who are separating themselves. It's not just the D's. Perhaps Frio, St Kilda, Brisbane and Sydney might all be starting to separate themselves, which is not something I saw coming at the start of the season, let alone two or three weeks ago. No, I don't think any of us saw that coming. Certainly, even Fremantle. I mean, you thought that they had a talented list and, and could rise up the ladder this quickly. I I didn't see it. Um, and I think I'm a believer after last night. Are you? Oh, they've been very, very impressive. Um, it always takes us a little bit longer when a team jumps, makes a large leap, a quantum leap up the ladder. I think we... We're probably, usually it's the race to be first and who wants to claim them first. But I think in these types of situations, we like to sit back and just say, well, you know, let's see a little bit more. They handled a, a, a fellow good team last night in, in the Blues and they were never really troubled. They, to me, looked to be in control of that game all night. They'll have their challenges as, as we move forward. So they're, they're at, at the Cattery next week. That's always a challenge. Um, they've got a couple of winnable games. They've got the Roos, and then they go to Gold Coast. Then they go to Melbourne to take on the Pies. And then the ultimate test at the MCG against the D's. So they'll have their tests. But for now, 5-1, and one, incredibly exciting brand of footy, a really staunch and, and understated um, group of defenders. They, they were the most impressive part from last night's game from, from, from the angle that I, I watched. I thought they're... Their defenders and their medium to tall defenders were just excellent on Carlton's damaging tall forwards. So, yeah, they look good, the Dockers. And um, Perth will be an interesting place with the Dockers at 5-1 and one sitting in second and the Eagles at 18th. One and five. Yeah, the Eagles have just got issues everywhere. I mean, we we do acknowledge the fact that there are some key personnel, probably about six players from their best 22 missing at the moment. They've had the whole COVID issue. And and I guess we don't really know from the outside how that's affected things like fitness either. They've had players come in off the back of pretty much no preseason like Jack Darling. They've had a number of issues. They also have an ageing list and, and have missed some top high-end draft picks over the last sort of five years or so as well. So that's going to be interesting to see what's next. I mean, Adam Simpson says they're in a a transition year and a transition period, which is the word everyone likes to use these days instead of a rebuild. So it'll be interesting to see what they can salvage from season 2022 and where they really sit in all of this. Yeah, and they don't 
who don't look at their their side and think, oh, there's four or five youngsters who who really look like they can take them forward. They've they've actually, I guess, their most impressive young player to my eye may well be Patrick Nash yeah. thus far, and he he wasn't even on an AFL list not that long ago. So, you know, all credit to him, but it's not like they've drafted him and developed him. Of course, they've given him a chance, so you give them credit for that. But you look across the team that played last night, and and that was a that was a terrible performance. The um, coaching the coaching uh, group at at the um, at the Eagles must have just sat in that box and just oh that could have could have been a must have been a bad dream for them sitting there watching that performance. But you look at their list, you know they gave up a lot to get Tim Kelly, and he's a really really good player. But as you said, they don't have a lot of draft picks. They haven't had draft picks, and they've missed on a few. But a lot of their players, I'm interested to, to chat about this a little bit more now, uh, are homegrown, so mm. they're local. So, yep. you know, that um, the new term salary dump or, or moving on an older player who might have two or three years to go on a contract is, is hard for them because a few of their or a handful of their really good players uh, who are at that stage of their career where you might say, look, do you want to go and see if you can win a premiership somewhere else? You know, you might have to pay some of their money and they go and play somewhere else. But they're all locals. They're all from Perth. So, you know, there's only one or two that you could really identify who might fit the category. So, I mean, it's a very interesting time for the Eagles and, and what they are going to do and where are they going to head with their, with their uh, playing personnel. And on the flip side for Port Adelaide, what a relief for Ken Hinckley and oh. the team. I mean, the captain, Tom Jonas, came out early in the week and said, we are going to win this game. And they Clear. absolutely delivered. I, I thought, oh, gosh, why why are you doing that? You're putting extra mm. pressure. But it works. So maybe he should come out and declare it again next week when they play against the Saints, I think, up in Cairns. But it was, um, it was good to see the Port Adelaide Football Club back on the winner's list, but also – they just looked like they were enjoying their, their footy again. And I absolutely loved Connor Rosie playing in the midfield. More midfield minutes for that boy. Yeah, he looked good last night in the uh, in the middle of the ground. 31 disposals. He's he's a really creative player. He's not, I wouldn't label him a, a great kick or or anything like that. But he, what he is, he's just creative. He makes things happen. He's fast. He, he can break a line or he can put someone into space. And, you know, he got... Seven score involvements. He had eight clearances any time, and he was able to put the ball inside 55 times. Those are the types of numbers that Port would be desperate to see from Rosie. He doesn't need to get the ball 30 times, but close to 20 because he is so creative. Um, Amon was was good out on the wing, 25 disposals and a goal. Just some of their good players got back to performing really well, and it would have been great, or it must have been a great feeling for Jeremy Finlayson. To, he made a, a, a brave decision, and it was... Um, we sort of saw how that went down on the agent's documentary that was shown on stand. For him to, to get heavily involved, he was dropped earlier in the season, mm. kicked five goals, Todd Marshall the same. Sometimes you need to to fill your boots and, and allow yourself to feel good about footy again because not many of the Port players would have been feeling too good about themselves. But on the back of last night, they'll certainly understand that they come up against an opposition who who were there in uh, in body but not in spirit. And uh, they'll understand they've got some work to do. But just to break the duck, to be 
the only team without a win uh, yeah. must have been an ordinary place to be, and now they are no longer in that situation. Yeah, and they'll be looking, obviously, to, to build on that, hopefully, and maybe this is the kickstart that they need for their season. Obviously, such a talented list, too, because they've made the last two preliminary finals, so we look to see what happens with Port Adelaide, and they'll be happy all across South Australia, the Adelaide Crows, Getting up in an absolute thriller against the Bulldogs down in Ballarat. One point win. It was a really gutsy win. And two weeks in a row now, they've been challenged late in the game and they've Mm. stood up when it counted. The young players playing really well. I I like the game of Chase Jones. I think he's had a really great um, season so far as well. But um, it was a terrific performance by the Adelaide Crows and, and um, yeah, certainly more sign that they are a mature group despite being quite a young list. Yes, indeed. They were um, those who uh, tuned in to the run home on Friday. <laughs> Jules and I thought this might be if there was to be an upset because yeah. it actually looked on paper to be a, a relatively predictable and straightforward round of footy. So we were looking for the upset and oh, the dogs, they've just got enough holes that worry me. But... Sticking with the Crows for a moment, you know, so many positive things. And the one thing they hadn't yet done was um, go on the road this year and, and have a good win. And, you know, young teams can play really well at home and they do get um, fizzed up with that home crowd and 40,000 Crows fans at Adelaide Oval. It becomes a hard place to play as an opponent. And they certainly feed off of that. And we saw that last week against Richmond. But to go to Ballarat, where they wouldn't have had many fans in the in the house at all, they might have had two or 3,000 fans there, you know, and to be challenged and to to have the um, mental fortitude at three-quarter time, going in, having wasted a lot of opportunities to, to sort of build enough of a lead because the dogs were kicking with the breeze in the last quarter. So, you know, that young group could have easily gone into three-quarter time and said, oh, we've wasted our chance here with the breeze, you know, two or three-goal wind. We haven't been able to kick straight. We've wasted a few opportunities. But to be able to really dig in and, and hang tough and and come out with a win, it's a, it's a great... That, I mean, I think Matthew Nick said the Richmond win was the best in his mm. short tenure. Well, I would imagine that the Dogs win yesterday would be, would be even greater. And they sort of give themselves a, you know... They won't talk about finals, but they're in night. They're three and three. We've got the Giants next week who who have been known world beaters. So they'll start to give themselves just a little bit of a, a chance at doing a bit of damage. And they'll certainly have the belief now that there aren't many uh, venues that they can't go to and, and, and play competitive footy because they're almost, I think they're the side now who plays with the most energy and, and intensity and and put in the most effort because I think they know they're not quite where they want to be. So if they don't bring maximum effort, then they can get blown out. So watching them play um, is is a great thing. And if you're a Crows fan, you're enjoying watching your team play at the moment. Oh, most definitely. Crows fans should be up and about. Bulldogs fans, maybe not so much because they're languishing at two and four. Now we know that Tim English missed, obviously, Lockie Hunter. Yep. They've, they've got personnel issues as well. And I think Luke Beveridge said after the game too that they don't actually have a lot of other players that they can call on at this point who, who are ready to go. They're sort of lacking a little bit in depth as well. So there are real concerns for them. And we will deep dive into the Western Bulldogs a little bit later on. But just from what you saw yesterday, what was your biggest area of concern? Oh, it's the ability to kick a score. Four times this season, four of six, they've scored 75 points or less. 
it's just Norton or bust. And Norton was well held yesterday. Jordan Butts, no one, no one talks about him. Not many people would even know him, but <laughs> he just continues to do the job down back. And and you know they had the confidence to to move on Daniel Talia because they knew they had this young guy at, at full back. Norton kicks a couple, but he's he's well held for the most part. So when they can't get Norton up and about, or Norton at least creating opportunities for others, they can't score. Mm. Um, and their midfield don't kick enough goals. So Livers kicked two, McRae's kicked two, Lockie Hunter we know won't be there for a while. He'd only kicked one, and Dunkley's only kicked one. So they just don't get enough goals from their midfielders. Bontempelli's had to go forward. He looks all out of sorts at the moment, Bontempelli. He can't impact the game um, at all. So... Yeah, he he got a knock. You might know more than me, Nat, but he, he got a knock or a bump or or did something in round one, and he hasn't looked right since. Yeah. He hasn't been able to impact the game since, and um, he played forward a lot yesterday, which is where I think they need him. I think they need to per- persist with Jamara Hagen because I'm not sure what the alternative is, and I think the more you play him, the better he's going to get, but until they get Josh Bruce back, they just don't look potent at all, and um, it is a real worry. And then at the other end of the ground, key forwards keep getting a hold of the dogs. It's been happening for a long, long time. And I know Luke Beveridge can occasionally bristle at that suggestion, but they just get they just get taken apart by tall forwards. And in a low-scoring game for Taylor Walker, 19 disposals, three goals, uh, was dangerous in the last quarter. They just didn't have anyone who could who could go and shut him out of the contest. And in the end, it cost them the game again. Yeah, it certainly did. All right, we'll talk more about the Bulldogs a little bit later on on Sunday Crunch Time. Stay with us because after the break, we are going to chat all about that game last night between the Fremantle Dockers and the Carlton Football Club. The award-winning Crunch Time. Smitkowski, put your glasses down. She's over. Oh, what a line. She is over indeed. The Fremantle Dockers, 14-13-97, defeating Carlton 9-8-62 at Optus Stadium last night. You're listening to Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Nat Edwards and Josh Jenkins with you. We are going to talk about the Dockers because I think we are both believers it was a a great win for Fremantle maybe a little bit of a reality check though for the Blues do you think JJ sorry Nat I just got locked out of the box I'm back (laughs) what did I miss (laughs) you missed nothing except me talking to myself and my Brooklyn Nets doing terribly which I was watching during the ad break Uh, turn turn your dial down if you don't want to hear the score and you're watching on delay, but it is Boston 75 to the Brooklyn Nets 67, two minutes remaining in the third. And it looks like Boston's going to take a three and I lead. And I'm very, very disappointed about that, but we're talking footy. We're talking Frio Carlton. So, I mean, was it a reality check for the blues? Do you think last night, because we spoke a little bit off the top about Frio um, and we will get into them in more detail, but just on Carlton, off the top. Is that a reality check last night? Um, oh, maybe. It, perhaps it has identified for them a few of their shortcomings or a few of the areas of the game that they need to continue to improve upon. They they seemed to be ultra-aggressive to me last night with the way they wanted to move the ball. Now, 
um, Optus Stadium is a large ground. I think it's the exact same size as the MCG. So it, it allows you plenty of space to, to move the footy, and it was a nice night for footy over there in Perth last night. But they they just seemed to me to be to be quite aggressive with ball in hand. It was a, it was a little bit of a lackluster start. Both teams were feeling each other out, and then the Blues were were keen to move the ball, you know, quite aggressively, and um, it was a, it was a game style reminiscent of of what they sort of played last year at different stages under David Teague, and they paid the price on rebound a few times, and um, Fremantle are a team who can make you pay with their leg speed and their ability to move the ball quickly. So, yeah, it was an interesting. Not a, I wouldn't say a change in game style, just just the way that they played that game last night. So I wonder whether they have a look at some of the um, some of the offensive options that they took and and just sort of talk about dialing it back a little bit. Um, but it's yeah, I wouldn't say it's a, a reality check, but it's it's probably it just just allows them or just reminds them that they're not all the way where they need to be just yet. Still plenty of improvement to come, and that's what Michael Voss has been harping on about for the first six weeks of the season. I want to run something past you because last year under David Teague, there were games where Carlton just had lapses of concentration. Mm. There, They allowed the opposition to get big run-ons and, and gain momentum against them, and they weren't able to stop that momentum. We're five, um, six games into the season. So in round two, the Western Bulldogs kicked five of six goals. Round yep. three, Hawthorne kicked six straight. Round four, Gold Coast kicked six of seven. Then Port the week after kicked six straight. And then Fremantle last night kicked eight of nine goals. Should we, or Carlton fans, be concerned about these lapses of concentration? And is it something that the leaders on the field need to be able to fix during a game? Because I'm not sure that the coaches can do much when that situation is happening. Yeah, it's hard to... It's, I mean, it's the hardest thing in in all of sports to, to, to halt or to change is momentum. Mm. But you do contribute to momentum. Now, you know, I think sometimes when we talk about momentum from one side of the fence or from the side of the fence of the team or the individual that's... Um, not getting it done, we just focus on ourselves. We, I think we give don't give enough credit to the fact that the, there is an opposition out there and they're doing things well. Now, Fremantle were doing things really well and you know, over the course of 120 minutes of a game of footy, the other team is bound to get momentum at different stages, but there are contributing factors and that was um, speaks to my point about the way that they were quite aggressive with the ball last night. Now, I think when you, you know, get two or three goals kicked against you and you feel like that the purple haze is starting to get on top of you it's two clear decisions to be made it's you know do you do you punch your way out of it or do you just try and you know lean on the ropes and and just take a few and eventually the tide will turn um you know each I guess each um, club and each uh, coaching group has their own philosophy on that but I think there's a really fine balance between um punching your way out of it but not leaving yourself open to getting knocked out. And that's what they did a little bit last night. They wanted to, you know, Frio kicked a couple and started to look like they were on top. So Carlton would try and fizz one back through the middle mm. and it would get chopped off and and it would lead to another score, another inside 50 for Fremantle. Those are the compounding um, instances there. Carlton contribute to that. Now, you know, Fremantle are proving to be a really good side. So you must expect that at different stages they're going to have their moments. But... 
it's about not contributing to their moments and not making their moments, you know, not leading it from three goals to four or four to five, as you mentioned. And it's be, been a bit of a trend for them. And you outline those numbers, um, you know, it's a bit of a concern. It's been a concern for them for a period of time. And it probably led to the reason or led to the led to the departure of their last coach, David Teague. So it'll be something Michael Voss and his team will be desperate to to get um, um, to get sorted. But I guess on the other side of, of that is, is we've seen them build massive leads in the first half. Mm. So they are also able to kick four, five, six goals in a row without um, the opposition scoring. So I guess with every, you know, there's two sides to every coin, is there not? There certainly are. Um, and I guess their forward line too, because you got Charlie Kerno. I mean, Jack Silvani w- was missing last mm. night, which I think was a big loss for them because yep. he's been in great form so far this, this year. And then Harry Mackay just looked sore. He went off with that knee knock. Um, and I'm sure he'll have scans during the week to see if there's anything more sinister or serious there. The other mm. one was, you know, Mark Pittenet going off in that first term with a knee injury. Um, the commentators were talking about a potential for a PCL. I see Michael Voss said after the game that they're pretty confident it might just be um, some bruising there. Okay. So a, okay. a collision yep. injury. That's important. Yeah, exactly. So he will have scans just to see. They're hopeful that it's not a PCL. Um, but, I mean, even if you have Mark Pittenet missing next week anyway, I mean, they don't really have that many options. You get Tom DeConning obviously came in to replace Silvani, but he struggled in, in the ruck last night. And then they really only got Alex Murkov, who's still a young developing player and I'm not sure is ready to be thrown out there. Yeah, I mean, I made a bit of a um, presumptive or, or uh, early call that, in my opinion, uh, for Carlton to get to where they want to go to, DeConning will eventually surpass uh, Pitnet, but... Yep. I think we saw last night against a really good, um, not that experienced, but a really good, strong, um, outstanding ruckman in Sean Darcy mm. that Tom DeConning's got a, a ways to go. He was quite good in the centre bounce against Darcy, but around the ground, Darcy was impactful. He kicked a goal, and and um, and he was a, he was a pretty good player. He didn't get a lot of the footy, but he was he was good. DeConning um, himself got plenty of the of the footy, seventeen disposals, but. He um he just sort of struggled to impact the game. He's a leaper. He's exciting, but I think they still do need uh, Pitnet to just be that guiding force. He's the tone setter for them in the middle, for a team who's still building that um, the culture of um, competitiveness and and being able to be in the fight more often than not. Pitnet sort of sets the tone in that sense. So um, he will be a loss if they lose him. But I mean, for Blues fans, we we just hope that he doesn't suffer any long term. Injury there because he's you know he's had to he's had to really work hard to get his opportunities. Twenty five years old, he's only played eighteen games, so he's had to really toil away at the Hawks and now the Blues, and he looks like uh, establishing himself as a number one ruckman. But we shall see what those scans look like. But it, if it does fall on the shoulders of DeConning, um, you know, I guess it just puts more emphasis on that ground level crew who mm. are more than capable of, of of being able to to um to make his job a little bit easier. Hey, I want to talk about Fremantle and I you might be able to guess the fact that I'm five foot two. I love a small forward and I right, absolutely yes. love a pressure small forward. Everyone's been talking about Jack Higgins, how great he's and, and it's great to see Jack Higgins flying, but Lockie Schultz for mine 
I mean, he kicked three mm. goals last night, 16 disposals, nine score involvements, five tackles. But Took across 11 marks yeah, last night. I know, exactly. And then, you know, across the course of the season, he has kicked nine goals. He's missed with COVID a week, but he's had 20 tackles as well. And he said after the game that they want to be the number one forward half pressure team in the competition. He talked about how the addition of Jamie Graham to um, the assistant coaching team has really helped the forward line become a really cohesive group. I am loving what they're doing up forward there. You've got Sam Swakowski too, who had two goals, 19 yep. disposals. but And, and Sun Sun was back with um, was. with two goals, which is great to see as well. But their forward line, I'm, I'm really liking what they're dishing up at the moment. They've got a lot of speed down there, as you as you outlined. Like Schiltz is nippy. He's better than Nippy. He's, he's, he's creative. He's a goal scorer. Um, Switkowski, he's a dangerous type. He's he's not a guy I'm, I'm super familiar with, but he was very good last night. 19 disposals mm. and kicked a couple. Walters traditionally hasn't needed too many opportunities to, to be dangerous. He was having a moment or a, or a period in time where he just couldn't buy a goal, but he, you could see he got that, he nailed that set shot last night and it just took the weight off his uh, off his shoulders, and then he kicked one along the ground a minute or so later. I reckon last week that ball would have that dribbler would have gripped <laughs> and it would have missed last yep. night. It, it, it skidded along the grass and went through. But they've got a nice little group of of forwards down there. Even Travis Collier, who's been around for a long time, um, I think he was a part of the Essendon yeah, thirty four. Was he, he not? Was, so, yep. Um, he was a teammate of mine when I was at the Bombers way back in two thousand and eleven. So he's been around a long time. He's not a big statistical guy. He won't amass a lot of the footy, but he's he can cover the ground quite quickly. He gets from A to B um, at a rapid rate, and that's what we saw with Richmond. Um, now we're getting a little carried away, but Ooh. Richmond's Richmond's premiership side or their or their forward mix, particularly their first premiership, was all about you know Butler, Castagna, yep. guys who aren't necessarily um, your, your your sort of Eddie Betts type small forwards who can kick four or five, but they can get from A to B and they can fill a role really quickly. They can put pressure on. They don't allow the ball to get outside of their four, their half of the ground because they are so quick. And Fremantle have got a little bit of that with their small forwards. I reckon Schiltz is a bit even better than that. He's yep. got more um, capabilities as a goal kicker. He kicked 3-3 last night, so he left a couple out there. And Rory Lobb, he was really good last night. I know uh, he cops a fair bit of flack. He, he's a ruckman size who, who probably doesn't love going in the ruck, but he was good last night as a... As the second key forward, Tabernum was well held by Wiedering, and Wiedering just stops everyone at the moment. But Lob Bob's up, 14 disposals, took five marks, kicked three goals. He's a pretty accurate set shot for goal, and he was good in the ruck too, Lob, last night, 26 hitouts with Darcy sort of um, spending large chunks uh, out of the ruck, either on the bench or forward. So Lob was good last night. Lob's been okay this year. We know that he tried to uh, secretly make a move back mm. to the Giants, and He's just one of the recycled rolled golds that they've got. So Lobb's been at another club. Collier, as I mentioned, at Essendon. Um, Blake Akers averaging 21 disposals. Kicked a brilliant goal last night. Jordan Clark's been good for them. And we weren't that keen to let him go here at the Cats because we know how good he is. He was a high draft pick, but he's added a fair bit. So he's a winger slash halfbacker who can... um, He's equally as good at kicking the ball inside 50 as he is at getting rebound 50s. He's been really good. And Will Brody's been the top oh. He's been the top dog in terms of their recycled plays. 27 disposals, 7 could clearances. Could be recruit and of the year. He could very well be, considering what they gave up 
um, to get him. I think they basically gave nothing. Yeah. I think they got more in return. Well, they thought they got more in return in terms of the picks. So um, he's been fantastic, and it just shows that um, you know one man's or one club's trash is another club's treasure, and they're getting so much from those guys, and none more so than Will Brody, who just keeps on keeping on. And I think we've seen enough now, like Kennedy, that um, he's a genuine um, he's a genuine starting AFL on baller. And then you look at their back line too, and they're not exactly household names either. Love their back line. But their back line is excellent. You've got Alex Pierce, and then you've got Cox. Luke Ryan, and we know he's an All-Australian. Griffin Logue. Then you had Young and Chapman who are missing um, with protocols last yep. night. They're still to come back into this side. And let's not forget, so that's their defence, but let's not forget Nat Fife is still missing. Still and missing, And they're going to yeah. have this luxury of bringing him back in and they no longer rely on him and he's just going to come in and, and take him to another level. It's it's a little bit mm. scary it'll to be, think. It'll be interesting to see what their plan, what, what they intend to do with Fife when he comes back because their midfield's humming and he's naturally... You know, he's, he's in that Crips Dangerfield mould of, of when he's in there, you want to get the ball in his area and you want him to be the target. But they've got a great balance in there. Now, David Mundy, I think the success of David Mundy mm. is because he's he's, he's a complementary player. He's, he's always been willing to be the one who's setting the block or he's not necessarily the one who's trying to get the ball all the time. He's he's just a an inside-outside complementary piece and that's why he continues to be such an effective player. But going talking about their defenders, like Brennan Cox was sensational last night. Some of their intercept marking is is outstanding, and uh, and Griffin Logue or Logue Griffin as they called him a couple of times <laughs> last night, he was great on Charlie Kerner. Yeah, he looked he like getting off the off the leash a couple of times. Those two guys down back, uh, the other one's Luke Ryan, who I know he's been an All Australian, but I don't think many people would give him or understand how good he is. Yeah, he's a fantastic underrated. player. They're three defenders who don't really look the part. They're not big and ripped no. and strong and tall, but what they all can do is read the ball in the air. They can take intercept marks, and they're really solid by foot. So they look really good, the uh, the Dockers. No, they certainly do. All right, we'll be taking calls all weekend on the Kogan Open Line. Make the call. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with a big 20 gig of data. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time. After the break, we're going to talk all things Western Bulldogs and Adelaide. Stick with us. A sports news update for Rolled. Eat good with Rolled. It's fast, fresh Vietnamese. I'm Victoria Raptus with your sports update for Rolled. In AFL, Fremantle cruised to a 35-point win over Carlton. Jeremy Finlayson and Todd Marshall's five-goal heroics helped Port Adelaide to a victory over West Coast. And Tex Walker Magic secured Adelaide's one-point victory over the Bulldogs. In NRL, the West Tigers held off the Rabbitohs 23-22 and the Cowboys overcame the Titans by 26 points. To soccer and Manchester City striker Gabriel Jesus became the first player in the league to score four goals in a game this season, leading City to a 5-1 thrashing of Watford on Saturday night. A sports news update for Roll. Fast, fresh Vietnamese. Award-winning crunch time. The last couple of weeks have been really enjoyable, but, but that feeling of pride in a in a in a group that have now shown some consistency in something, and it's it's over a couple of weeks, but against some really high-quality opposition to to come and play the way we want to play 
two weeks in a row and show resilience like we did today, um, yeah, really, really pleasing. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops, Nat Edwards and Josh Jenkins with you in the Adelaide Crows. They're three and three. They sit just outside the top eight on percentage only. Could sneak in should Hawthorne drop a game tomorrow against the Sydney Swans. But what a couple of weeks it has been for the Crows. Two wins in a row now. The first time they've gone back to back uh, since rounds three and four last season. The Bulldogs, on the other hand, are languishing at two and four. Let's start with the Adelaide Crows, though, because it has been exciting to watch them play footy this year. They've had so many close games and it looks like that composure, that maturity from this young side is really paying dividends because they've managed to get through when they've been challenged, JJ. They have. They, um, they're they just growing. Um, I think they're growing together and they're all improving and, and feeling and sensing themselves improve individually, but also collectively they're getting more uh they're getting more from more. They're getting more performance from from more guys, and they're not reliant on um, you know a Sloan or a Crouch or a Walker to to carry them. Now, Tex Walker's been as good as, or well, probably the number one uh, forward in the game since he's returned from his suspension. But they're just getting um, good performances from from some of these young guys. Lachlan Scholes, a player out on the wing who I've got a lot of time for in you know, 19 disposals, kicked the opening goal of the game yesterday. Dawson's been a good, or better than good um, recruit. Now I know they, you know, they went and um, chased him and they paid him plenty of money, but you've got to do that to attract good players to your team. Chase Jones, as you mentioned earlier, Nat's having a good start to his season. Riley O'Brien was one. If I was inside the four walls of the Crows, I would have really put it on Riley before the game. No English. I'm not sure he's he's played well. I'm I'm certain Riley hasn't been in the form um, that saw him win a best and fairest a couple of seasons ago. But 17 disposals took some some crucial intercept marks. He had 49 hitouts against an undermanned and overwhelmed Stefan Martin. So he was good yesterday. Um, Keys and Laird lead the way around the footy. Matt Crouch is sort of still doing his thing as well. So yeah, they're a well balanced side. Um, you'd think you know, guys like Berry, um, Gallant. Um, Rochelle, who's been good, but McAdam, Cook, they're still going to get better. Jackson Haitley had his first win for the Crows yesterday. So you'd imagine um, there's a fair bit of upside, and there's some nice names. They had a good win yesterday in the SANFL against Central District as well. Mm. Uh, Philthorpe, uh, Fogarty, and uh, Miller, Wayne Miller Jr. is still back in the SANFL as well. So you'd imagine, or they'd be hoping, there's still three or four in the SANFL who, who, who eventually will be in their best team. The other name I wanted to throw up is Billy Frampton because yes. he has continued to impress in defence. Yesterday, 26 disposals going at 89% efficiency, 10 intercepts, 9 marks, 502 metres gained. He has just been rejuvenated yeah. as a defender and he just reads the play so well. It kind of, you think about, oh, geez, they've been playing him out of position for such a long mm. time. Why did we not see this earlier? But he's been terrific. Well, they um, they they moved me along to give him to bring him in and give him an opportunity. Yes. Um, he came in to 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 fill the Ford Ruck role the season after um, after I left, and he, he he looked okay at times. He looked really good in a few um, appearances as a forward for Port when he was with the Power, but it just hasn't been able to. It hasn't happened for him as a forward with the Crows, and he'd been 
um, playing in defence in the SANFL for a little while. But Butts has got that full back or that deep defensive post mm. uh, locked down. They, they've had, they'd had some success with Duda as a second tall defender. I think they, well, they definitely prefer him as the third and the interceptor. But Frampton yesterday was able to... Now, what he didn't have to do yesterday was deal with um, a lot from his opponent. So, you know, I think Shaki and Jamara didn't weren't able to impact the game as, as key forwards that much. So he didn't have to deal with too much in that sense. But what he showed was a, a, a propensity for intercept marks. His positioning... I'd love to watch um, a, a bit of footage of him behind the goals because he must understand where the ball's going quite quickly. Because he doesn't have a lot of speed, and I don't know whether his endurance is, is great or not. It may well be, but he's able to be in the right spot a lot yesterday. You can have those games, that where the ball finds you, <laughs> but um, when you can do it once, it means you can do it again. So he, he, he looks like he looks like something that they someone that they can persist with down back. And if you get Butts and Frampton really locking down the two key posts, they both come quite cheap. They don't cost you a lot. Um, they're really understated and, and, and they do the job. Then you can build around them. You yeah. can put some, some high-priced pieces around them like Brody Smith and Jordan Dawson and Tom Duday. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the Crows had 26 intercept marks yesterday mm. and they averaged um, for the season before coming into the game was averaging 12, which is just insane. I think even Luke Beveridge sort of lamented that after the game. But the Crows' pressure, that's the other part of it. Their pressure was immense. Their contested game. I mean, yep. they are the number two ranked side in the competition for contested possessions right now, averaging 144.2 per game. But this part of their game style and their game plan, which has obviously taken a while for the players mm. to get used to under Matthew Nix. I mean, it's really great to watch. Yeah, it gives them a foundation or a cornerstone because I remember watching a a video that the, the Crows put out. It was um, Lockie Scholl when he was about to make his debut and Matthew Nix sort of said, uh, you know, what are you going to bring? And he said, I'm going to bring my run and my my skills, I can kick on both feet. And he goes, nah, nah, bring your contest. And I thought, oh, I didn't love it. I was like, oh, you're setting him up for failure a little bit because it's not his strength. Yeah. But what it actually is, I was probably reading too much into it, but what it is is, is Nix is, is is saying you've got to bring a minimum level of, of contest, a, yep. a minimum level of effort and intensity, and then the other elements of our game will, will be able to flourish. You know, They've got a lot of players who do have flair and tricks and – um, and the ability to do things and make things happen. But if if the team as a whole is not bringing that level of contest, it's hard for those things, you know, it's hard to rely on flair and rely on, on natural skill. You've got to bring the, the contest first and foremost, and that's what they're doing. And they just have a crack. They're just, they're just the team, um, they're probably the team around the competition at the moment that you'll say they're just, they're just going to have a crack. They might not yet be good enough to beat you, they might be, but they might not be. But what they will do is they'll give themselves a chance because they're just going to have a fair income crack. Yeah, no, they certainly are. The Bulldogs on the flip side, we spoke about, I asked you off the top of the show this morning, what's your biggest area of concern? You said the forward line. I mean, Aaron Norton kicked two goals. Josh Shackey kicked two. Adam Trelaw was the other multiple goal scorer with two goals. And then obviously Marcus Bontempelli, I think had three in the end, but didn't have that same impact that I think we mm. all know that he can have. 
without Josh Bruce, they're, they're doing their best, but it's just not stacking up at the moment. Eight goals from 43 inside 50s is, is what they managed yesterday. And it just seems like they are so far away from being that team that made the grand final last year. Indeed, Mary J. Blige is in the house at the Barclays <laughs> Centre, Nat. She's yes. A, um, she's a superstar. <laughs> Um, <laughs> she is too. She is. Um, yeah, they, they just they, they've got a, they've got a few holes at the moment, and and we outline them. They've got holes at either end of the ground, and when you when you're undermanned at either end of the ground, it's the one position that can really probably that and the ruck it can really be glaring because um, you know, if you get a dominant ruckman, and 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 we saw that yesterday, they had that as well, Adelaide. Yeah, they Stephen did. Martin's been a great player. Um, he's been durable, he's been versatile, he's been loved by everyone that's played with him, and, and I know him a little bit. He's a really, really nice person. But he was he was a little bit um, um, undermatched last, uh, yesterday. He just couldn't deal with O'Brien's size and ability to get around the ground, and, um, and, and that was glaring. But also, you know, no Keith down back, Zane Cordy yeah. sort of flipping back and forward. He's certainly not the answer forward. He gives you a contest, and he has a, he has a red-hot crack as well, but... They're just they're just lacking at, at at either end of the ground. Tim O'Brien hasn't yet settled in, and we shouldn't expect him to to set the world on fire. He's in a new team. He's he hasn't really established himself as a as a um, as a full time AFL player as it is. Yeah. Let alone in a new team. So they've got holes. They just rely so heavily on Aaron Norton, and it's going to take its toll because he plays the game in a manner which is which is quite um, destructive to his own body. If you stand in the way, you're going to get hurt. But he's the one having to crash in almost every time. He'd be heavily targeted as their tall forward. And um, without goals from their midfield, they're just going to struggle to kick kick a score most weeks. As we've seen four times this year, they've kicked 75 or less. It's um, it's not going to get the job done. Yeah, so Luke Beveridge was asked after the game, you know, you're two and four. Do you have to rethink where you thought you would be or reset in any way? He you know, isn't going to be throwing the, the toys out no. of the bath or the cot right now at this point. I had a look at their fixture. So they've got Essendon, yep. Port Adelaide, Collingwood, yep. and the Gold Coast Suns. That's their next four games. It's a good block. It's yeah, a good it block, is, isn't it? And it will, it will set them up. I mean, if they – look, if they go two and two in that block, then yeah. it, it's probably it's, – it's probably unders um, in terms of where they need to be because at two and four, um, you know, with six games – Six games already uh, in the books. You don't have a lot of room for movement because this team's not looking for... This team didn't come into the season looking to finish seventh or eighth. Oh, they no. came in looking to finish first, second, third or fourth. Yep. Um, that looks a very tough proposition from here. Look, you'd imagine they'll beat Essendon. We, nothing is a given, but if we were to force to sit here and make our tips right now, I'd say they'll beat Essendon. I think they'll beat Port Adelaide in Adelaide, although... Port will rev themselves up for that game yeah. because that was the the, the prelim final exactly. where the dogs ambushed them. But I'll you know I'd, I'd say I'll tip Probably the Bulldogs dogs. right here right now. I don't know that I tip them against Collingwood right here right now. No. I would tip them against Gold Coast, but then they've got West Coast as well. Yeah, so true. Like if they could if they could get on a run and 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 run the table and win those five, you'd say oh hello. But you've got to live in the moment. And at the moment, it's hard to see them winning a lot of those games because they're just not playing playing the game in a, in a, in a manner which will allow them to win. Yeah. They just don't have the firepower and they give up too much. Like, all those teams have got tall forwards who can kick a score and tall forwards have 
traditionally been kicking big scores against the Dogs. Yeah, and they certainly need to get some of that personnel back. I think we're not sure. Um, the severity of Tim English's hamstring, it, it was done at training, um, and we're not sure how mm. long he's going to be out for. Lockie Hunter's out at the moment with personal reasons, and obviously Luke Beveridge, um, you know, mentioning in his post-match press conference the tragedy that has um, bestowed yeah, yeah. Uh, upon Mitch Wallace um, and his wife and their families. It's absolutely tragic circumstances, and um, we send our, our wishes to best wishes to the family and, and hope that things go as smoothly as they can over the next week as they welcome a second child into the world as well. So um, it's been a really tough time for the, the club over the past uh, week or so, as, as Bevo outlined um, yesterday with Travis Varco, who's an assistant there, losing his mother as well the week before. So it's been an emotion-charged time. There's certainly a lot of improvement to come for the Dogs. They're a little lost at the moment, but we hope that they can get back on track for Bulldogs fans' sake. Stick with us here on Sunday Crunch Time. After the break, Liam Pickering's going to join us and we'll chat about plenty more, including North Melbourne and Geelong coming up from Tassie very soon. Welcome to Crunch Time, brought to you by Isuzu. Go your own way with the three-litre Isuzu D-Max and extraordinary seven-seat MUX. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Crunch Time. This is the pre-game show for Thirsty Camel. Answer the camels call Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. It's great to have your company wherever you are listening on this Sunday afternoon. We have plenty of football coming your way on this Sunday. North Melbourne and Geelong. That's the early game down at Blundstone Arena in Tassie. Then we have the Q Clash Gold Coast up against the Brisbane Lions at Metricon Stadium. And tonight, Anzac Eve, the annual clash between Richmond and Melbourne that is set to be a crack with about 65,000 people hopefully packing out the MCG. My name is Nat Edwards and joining me this afternoon Josh Jenkins and Liam Pickering. Now JJ and I have already unpacked uh, a lot of the games this weekend. Nice to see you though Pickers. Uh, good to be here Nat and hi JJ. It's uh, yeah another big day of footy isn't it? I'm looking forward to all well, the game we're broadcasting shortly North Melbourne and Geelong but also uh, the game's later on today. I think this one tonight might be a good one, this Richmond-Melbourne game. I think so. I mean, it's interesting with the Tigers. Like, you, you, are they back? Are they not? You know, one week you think they are, and the next week we write them off and, and they're gone again. But we always know that these clashes are, are really great, and it's also, I guess, the the meaning behind it as well. Well, I think, oh, absolutely. It's, a, it's an important, obviously, weekend on the sporting calendar, in particular tomorrow, but, you know, in, in a general sense for an Australian. But... Yeah, I reckon this was a game last year where Melbourne announced themselves as a genuine team mm. when they really took hold yep. of Richmond in the, on the on the uh, Anzac Eve game, and they were they were real from that day onwards. And nothing's changed in twelve months, and now it's the Tigers' turn to say, are they going to get back into business? So tonight will be a beauty. Now, even though JJ isn't with us, he's down at GMHBA Stadium in a, in a box. We've kind of had to separate you two. I hear there's a bit of tension. What's going on? Well, the goose keeps the goose keeps parking in my car spot. There's going to be all sorts of issues the way he's going, but. Uh, <laughs> JJ, just sitting in the uh, in the commentary box at the GMHBA, It'd be a big crowd there. Yeah, I'm at the wrong ground. I thought we had a home game uh, this week. I, I thought we were playing here at the Cattery, but uh, it seems as though both teams are at uh, down in Tassie. So I guess I'll just sit here, do the show, and uh, go home and watch it on TV. That's what it sounds like you're going to be doing. I'm not sure why you couldn't make the trek up the road an hour. Well, it wouldn't be that hard, I would have thought, when you live in Geelong, only an hour away. But anyway, seen the story. diesel prices. 
Yeah, I have got a car with diesel. I do, I do understand that. <laughs> <laughs> now, before 12 o'clock, JJ and I were talking about the Adelaide and Western Bulldogs game. We didn't get to one thing I wanted to ask both of you, and that is, do we need to rethink the centre bounce? Because with seven seconds oh, left yes. to go, so Bontempelli kicks a goal. It's it's one point the dis- difference, seven seconds to go, a ball up, centre bounce, and it's stray. So you lose two seconds off the clock, and then they have to just throw it up. Yeah, should I, they reset? Yeah, I the think clock? In, that, in that situation they should. Yeah, you know, I've, I've thought that for a while. And I was watching the game yesterday. I'm thinking, you know, they're not even going to get a crack at this because the ball's gone out of the circle. Look at the clock. Look at the time yeah, clock. Yeah, it's I, ticking down. I think it's ludicrous to be honest that they don't either reset it to the seven seconds or they just actually wait until a, the ball has actually touched the ruckman's hands. That would be the easiest thing. That's and true. That'll be easier. For so the that's time when keepers. you start. The, you start the clock when the when the the contest has started. Not when the, the umpire goes to bounce it, and then he bounced it out of the circle. So, uh, yeah, I think I just actually was thinking that exact same thing. I was talking to a mate of mine about it at the time. I said, this this is just not fair. Now, would they have won? Probably not. But the reality is they didn't get a crack to have a chance to win, did but they? But it happens a number of times, or it can happen a number of times, JJ, during a game. Do you mm. think we should just scrap it? I mean, it's the age-old debate. Should we just scrap yeah. the centre bounce and just throw it up instead? Probably. I mean, yeah, it's um, it is it's an eyesore, isn't it, when um, when the umpires have to rebounce or recall the the bounce, and it's also it's a, it's it's annoying when they there's one that should be recalled and one ruckman can't even get in the contest. But I mean, we we often jump to the worst case scenario. But what um what what if um, pickers? What if the dogs got a clearance and that ball was just you know almost made its way to Norton or Bontepelli and they took a mark, but the siren had gone. A second or so before they took mm. the mark. I mean that that would have been that would have been chaotic. And the, I'm, I am absolutely certain that the clock used to start when the ball would hit the ruckman's hands in at throw-ins, and now it starts the the when the umpire the throws hands. it in. Yeah, yeah, it so does. I'm, I'm I'm not sure why was that. Is that a tiny little manoeuvre by the AFL just to make the games not run quite as long? They probably save 15 seconds a game, but it's a strange one. And I mean in this. Um, electronic age, we should be able to just go back and say, no, nah, there's nine seconds on the clock. I know it might delay the game by a few seconds, but it's pretty important, particularly if the dogs had got that clearance and, and, and been a chance to take a mark. It was, um, I'm glad it didn't have an impact, but yeah, it was um, potentially yeah, ugly. I think it's something that needs to be looked at, but in saying that, I mean, you know, if you're, you're relying on five seconds, two seconds, because mm. you've been behind and you've, you know, the reality is the best team won on the day. Yeah, no, Maybe yeah. they deserve that win. I mean, well, that was a superb effort by Adelaide. Yeah. I didn't see him. I didn't give him a hope. I reckon I spoke to I reckon JJ, you might have even said yesterday, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, or well, you're pointing at yourself. Okay. You said, let's say, you thought that was the danger game. I didn't it, see it. I, I thought uh, the Bulldogs, would, at, the, at that ground, would be mm. really strong and be too strong, but... Uh, how wrong I was. You were very yeah. wrong, and JJ oh, okay. was very right. It was the ground. The, the ground. The ground was the was the thing that sort of. Look, I didn't because I actually didn't tip um, the crow. I don't tip at all. But I, if I had have had to have tipped, I would have stuck with the dogs. But if that if that game had been at Marvel, I reckon I would have had the courage to have tipped the crows because I think off the back of the Richmond game, see, seen enough holes in the dogs pickers like. I was saying before twelve o'clock, if they can't get it to Norton, then they they just they just look limp and they look lame and they look like they can't score. And again, yesterday they scored less than seventy five, and it's not enough to kick a score. No, it certainly isn't. All right, let's look ahead to North Melbourne and Geelong one ten bounce at Blundstone Arena. And Geelong assistant coach Sean Grigg has been good enough to join us on Sunday crunch time. Welcome to you, Sean. 
Thank you for having me. Um, obviously, Easter Monday has come and gone, the loss to the Hawks. What was sort of the fallout and, and the key takeaways from that one? Uh, yeah, obviously, it was a disappointing um, loss for us. Um, all credit to Hawthorne, who were really good around the contest and um, beat us up around there. So, uh, generally, the last couple of years, and um, you know, Geelong are known for that contested, strong team. So, um, fingers crossed that we're going to see that today. So what's the key focus moving into today's game against a kangaroo side who, um, you know, have been belted a couple of times this season and a, certainly a development side. What's been the key focus for you guys? Yeah, and we've also seen them push Sydney and, and probably mm. should have won that game too yep. up there. So um, we understand that their best is good and, you know, if we relax at all, then we'll cop our right whack. So for us, it's, it's going to start around the contest. So um, that's our main focus uh, early in the game. Gregor, are we going to start on time today? Because it looked like, looked to me last week like the Cats didn't turn up until about five minutes into the game. Yeah, so we definitely smashed around the ball, Pickers. Um, there's no hiding the fact about that. So um, our midfield needs to get to work early and um, get the ball going our way. So, yeah, like I said, that's our focus early. Gregor, what um, what threats um, do the Kangaroos pose? You clearly had a good look at them uh, this week. They've had some performance, which, which has been ugly, but... You always plan for their best. What are their threats in terms of what they can bring to the table? Yeah, they've got a really talented midfield, um, JJ. And you know, Cherry's been going well in the ruck. We know what Goldie can do in the ruck as well. So the midfielders, um, you know, they've got some real talent there. So, you know, the last couple of questions are all linking together. If we need to bring our best around the ball to give our forwards a chance, um, if, if we're not doing that, then we're going to put our defence under some pressure. No danger. How's his body? I mean, he did look a little bit banged up the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's obviously missing this week. How's he, how's he travelling? Yeah, it's just, just not 100%. Just, you know, that cork. So, you know, we've had a six-day break. And, um, you know, especially, uh, you know, as you get a bit older and if you can't train and get the continuity in the training, then it's, it's hard to get up and play. So we've been like that all year just with the no risk. And, you know, we're willing to play our squad. And, um, you know, so Danger just, just had a couple of knocks and corky. So we expect him to, to, to come to head pretty quick. Cats fans get to have a look at a, another young player, Ollie Dempsey. Gregor, he's um, he's sort of come from the clouds, and he can he can jump up to the clouds and take a take a grab too. But just tell Cats fans and people who don't know much about Ollie what sort of a player he is and where he's come from. Yeah, he, he's been super impressive coming into the club. Just his his professionalism, um, his willingness to learn, and and then put that onto the field. You know, the hardest thing um, as a young player coming in is you know learning the team system and how the team plays and. And Ollie's really done the work on that. You know, with Shane O'Brien, he's done a great work as the development coach and VFL coach. And he's played some exciting footy in the VFL. So, um, you know, we're just after that. We're just after him to, to play to his strengths and run and jump at the ball and put on pressure. And, you know, hopefully he has a good day and um, gets, gets a good feel for AFL footy. How is it down there in Tassie um, this, oh, I was going to say this morning, but it's now afternoon, just after midday. What are the conditions like? We know it can get pretty uh, windy and blustery down there. Yeah, so far it's beautiful. Uh, blue skies, not a cloud in it. There's, oh. there's no real breeze, to be honest. Um, it's, a, it's a perfect day for footy. You couldn't ask for anything better. Can't remember the last time the Cats were in Tassie, to be perfectly honest, Gregor. It's been a while. Last year, wasn't it? Oh, last was it? Year, oh, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I don't remember him playing down there last year. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's only been a year since you've been there, so it's pretty much you're used to the ground now. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't say that, but, yeah, the, the conditions are good. Um yeah, it's all just going to be around the contest for us. Uh, it's that it's that cricket wicket centre. Yeah. So, you know, similar to the SCG, Gabba type. So, it's pretty bouncy in there. 
um, which is probably the only difference at, at the ground. Oh, I've just seen some pictures come up on our, our TV and we can see. It looks absolutely magnificent down there in um, in Tassie, I was going to say in Geelong, but uh, that's where JJ is. He's in Geelong. He's Greg in is in Tassie. We're in Melbourne. Oh, we're all over the shop this morning. Sean, thank you so much for joining us on Sunday Crunch Time and best of luck for the game. No worries. Thank you. Sean Grigg there, Geelong assistant. Well. Did they go well? <laughs> I, I, think, I forgot they played there last year. <laughs> I think we're all over well, the shop I don't there. think he was... Didn't see the funny side of your uh, your. F- they turned up late last week. Yeah, the well, pickers, well, even though they did. Well, I actually did. Okay, you That's... weren't you weren't wrong. I just don't think he loves it. No, he didn't care. I don't think he cared. He knows. I know Gregor pretty well. I think he knows my sense of humour. But they were asleep at the wheel at the start last week, and very well, fumbly Geelong last week. Very fumbly. It was the longest. Apparently, it was the longest um, time ever recorded by Champion Data that. Uh, a team hadn't had a disposal mm. uh, in a game, and the other team, the Hawks, had three on the board. So I was sitting down the down there on the bench and we're looking around thinking, what can we do? I was like, we need to just get the ball at least once and we might be in the fight. So. <laughs> well, yeah, there are, the, the Cats had a few chances to pick the ball up, but the Hawks yeah. were all over them last week. Well, they so, were, yeah. And I think North will bring a similar mindset they will. today. They will have watched that and gone, you know what, they're a good team, these blokes, but you put enough pressure on them, they fumble, you know, they can feel the heat. And a couple yeah. of really big ins too for North Melbourne. Taron Thomas comes back from that internal bruising. Um, Cam Zerha back from concussion as well. That's going to add another dimension um, to their forward line. Paul Curtis too. So there's also a, a debutant as well. He's a he's a pressure forward. I think standing at about 185 centimetres taken in pick 35 in last year's draft. A little bit of X factor as well from Paul Curtis. So those are the ins. Out goes Aaron Hall, Jaden Stevenson with illness, Tom Powell and Eddie Ford both omitted for the Cats. Sean Higgins, Oliver Dempsey, the debutant, as we mentioned there with Sean Gregg in the outs. Well, Patrick Dangerfield, that's the big one with the corked calf. Luke Dalhouse has been managed and Jack Henry out with that foot injury as well. You expect that the Cats at three and two, they're going to win this one and bounce back strongly. But I think if you're a North Melbourne supporter, what you want to see is a lot more effort than what they put out pickers last week. Yeah, but I think if you go back to even Hawthorne, yeah, they'd been pants by St Kilda the week before. Mm. And they come out with a mindset that it was game on from the get-go. And they were able to sustain that pressure for 120 minutes. If North start the same way today, it'll be be a really close game. I I don't think this is going to be a walk in the park by any stretch. What are your Mm, thoughts? they haven't been able to put two performances together yet, North. they've So, round one, I, I think a lot of us expected them to beat the Hawks. Now, you know, the the, the um, preceding um, half a dozen games would suggest Hawthorne are a better team than North. But leading into that game, I think a lot of us thought North would, would win. They themselves said they were poor. They just did enough to beat West Coast. Um, and then they got hammered against Brisbane. Fought back, played really well against Sydney, but didn't win the game, and then hammered against the Dogs. So they haven't been able to put two good performances together in a row, even though some of them, some of the okay performances have been in losses. So they'll be wound up, the Roos. Um, they will have plenty of confidence from the fact they play really well down in Tassie, and Cats haven't been there a lot. Um, but you'd imagine the Cats are in the same situation. It's not one team who might come and ambush the other pickers. It's Geelong should be in the exact same mindset of we got ambushed last week and we fought our way back but eventually or ultimately lost the game. We need to be ready to rock and roll. Otherwise, we'll be chasing tail again. Yeah, and that'll be the message I'm sure from Chris Scott is that, you know, you're asleep at the start 
and then you rest on your laurels at the end, or you're outworked at the start and outworked at the end, is basically what happened last week. And I could see you could see that coming. You could see it coming as the game went on. Even though the Cats were a couple of goals in front in the last mm. quarter, you could see Hawthorne weren't going away, and they wanted it more in the finish. So they need to match that intensity. And I think they will. I think they'll come out with a really good mindset today. And It'll be interesting to see what they do in the middle of the ground. Reese Downley, I thought, had a poor game last week. He needs a big one today because North have got Rackman in form. Yeah, Tristan mm. Sherry, certainly. And Goldstein, that combination going really, really well. You mentioned, JJ, too, that record for Tassie, um, for the Roos in Tassie. They've won 17 of 27 games, but the Cats have won their last eight against the Roos. And North Melbourne hasn't beaten Geelong since round 15, 2015. It was wow. a long wow. time. It is, yeah. a long, it is a long time ago. But, I mean, the Geelong have always been up near the top. Yeah, North they have. They had four or five years of yeah, they have. near the bottom. So, but, I mean, it makes sense. But, but it is a belter of a day in Tasmania. It's going to be a nice crowd. It's going to be a nice game in a beautiful condition. So there's no real reason. It doesn't look windy either. It looks like conditions are fantastic for footy. No, I think they're going to be great. And we're going to chat to Heath Uni from the North Melbourne Football Club uh, just around 12.30. Hey, the one game that JJ and I hadn't managed to get around to talking about was the Port Adelaide West Coast game yesterday. 18-9-117, the power defeating the Eagles 4-9-33. An 84-point shellacking. The power getting their first win of the season. They're now one and four five and then the Eagles on the flip side one and five their worst start to a season since 2010 where to for West Coast well, I don't know where they're at to be perfectly honest they had one one goal at three-quarter time yeah one goal I know yeah there it was against, against Sydney it was the longest time I think before a team had scored uh, they took them didn't they take them a quarter and a half to score against the Swans so yeah, they've the got Swans some have scored eight goals before they'd scored a point yeah it's, it's, it's there's some serious issues going on at West Coast for such a big powerful proud club mm. I mean they are putting in some Disgraceful performances, really. If you look at what they're dishing up, now you can say, oh, yeah, they've got some injuries. But every team's got injuries. Their effort levels are poor at the moment. Yeah, I mean, their list, where do you think it's at, JJ? Because you've got, um, these are the the ageing talent. So Luke Shuey, Nick Nat, who's out injured at the moment, Hearn, Kennedy, Redden, McGovern, they're all 30 plus. Jack Darling and Andrew Gaff turned 30 in June, they haven't had a pick inside the top 10 of the draft since Andrew Gaff was drafted with pick four back in 2010. So they've got these old uh, experienced players and, and potentially yep. you think Hearn and, and Kennedy are on Kennedy. their last legs for, mm. for this season, but I'm not sure they have that top end talent coming through either. No, they don't. Well, they, well, they just don't. You look at their list um, and, and, and their personnel and you just don't see a lot of young players that – you say to yourself, "Geez, I'd, I'd I'd give anything to have that 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 guy on my in my in my side." They just don't have a lot of that young talent. Um, they give up two first rounders for Tim Clark pickers. Is that Tim what they, Kelly? Tim Kelly for Tim Kelly? Yeah, was it two first? Yep. I think it was picks 14, 27, 37, and a future first round pick. Yeah, and they got yeah, some, got some stuff back yeah. as well. Yeah, they, 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 so, they sold the farm for him. There's no doubt about that. And at the moment, he hasn't lived up to that expectation no. either. He hasn't reached the heights. No, he hasn't. He well, the previously. other thing. The other thing is, like, less. Uh, it might be even less about him, but I think they they got him. They said, "Well, we can do this because we feel like we are going to be, you know, premiership contenders for a little while until until it is that Kennedy and Hearn are completely gone. We're probably still in in a in a period where we can contend. We've got Nick Nat, we've got Luke Shuey, mm. we've got some good players at the top end. But now that they've tipped over the edge." that move looks like a bad move only because of the fact they're not performing and they'd love to have those draft picks back. Now, Tim Kelly's playing good footy, but 
they just don't have the the, the, the young talent coming through. That's the real concern for them. And um, yeah, I'm not sure they might have to turn to youth, but oh. who are they going to turn to? Well, they're going to have to be given a chance to pick youth. I mean, they've got a terrific um, head of recruiting and list management and all that. They know what they're doing, but... You know, if you haven't got the picks because the, the you know the senior crew decide mm. that they want to bring in experienced players, mm. and I don't mind that philosophy. Yeah. It's unfortunate yep. that those senior players just aren't playing well or they're injured at the moment. That's when you start to to zero in and focus on the age. Geelong are in the same boat. Geelong yep. are still, but they're every year given their you know they're, they're giving their older players a chance to be yep. success, successful, which is what West Coast is doing. So it's not a bad philosophy. Right up until the fact that you get a few injuries. Well, I think, mm. too, we were having a similar conversation this time last year, even with Hawthorne saying their list is no good. They haven't yeah. been to the draft in ages because they were also up the top of the ladder for such a long time, too. And then all of a sudden, we are seeing to see something from these young guys who weren't yep. top-end draft picks either, mind you. Mitch Lewis certainly wasn't. Uh, Dilmore either. But... You know, we are starting to see something from them and it just takes time sometimes. And they need to be able to be given a run at senior level to get that experience. Yeah, which the West Coast are doing now. Yes, I mean, because exactly. they've got experienced senior players injured yep. or out of form the or whatever. The young kids have maybe. to have a go. They've been given opportunities. So there are kids on that list that probably wouldn't have got a game in, in other years. Yeah. And the other thing is, I mean, rounds one, two and three, they're complete wipeouts. They, 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 they had 14 and 15 changes from week to week. So, you know, hard to expect too much of them in any of those games. But it was just the fact that they're starting to get a few bodies back in last night's game. That was the ugliest performance we've seen this year. Yeah, it certainly was. All right, Pickers, it's time now to get to Dabble. Yeah, it is. Enjoying Crunch Time Banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time Bets. Go on, have a Dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. And joining us is Josh Jeans. Go, JJ. G'day. Uh, leave my Eagles alone, Pickers, all right? They're, they're doing okay. They're doing their best. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, doing okay. no, they're going great. They're going great, Cubs. Yeah. 84 points so yesterday, right. Josh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the lowest score in AFL history at one point. So, no, it's all good. It's all good. We bounced back. But, you know, move on to next week. Absolutely. It's the Sunday crunches here, the Sunday crunch team. How did that Saturday mob go yesterday? I'll tell you what, they're doing really well. Uh, a couple of same-game multis from last week. And then yesterday with that Adelaide tip, who I don't think, Anyone really picked it except for the team yesterday. So maybe giving them some advice, pickers. But the good thing about those bets, and this is what I love about Dabble, is because you've got followers and people have copied those bets, over 40 other dabblers have had a win as well. So it's doing fantastic things. Okay. Rightio. Well, what are we looking at today? All right. Well, we've got the Cats over 40 uh, against the Roos. got the Lions 1 to 39. And the D's between 1 to 39 over the Tigers. That's paying $10.41. What are you liking about that? I'm liking a lot about it. I'm hoping the Cats buy over 40. And I think Brisbane 1 to 39 and Demons 1 to 39. Pretty good betting today. I'm pretty confident. You don't like? You don't reckon those legs are getting a bit tight at the uh, Pensioners FC? Hey, listen. Just the, 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 <laughs> hey, I'm not sure. You just told us you're married for West Coast. We just had, we, we just, we just had a 10-minute discussion about the age of their list. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, fair call, fair call. Back in my box. But uh, if you want to jump on Dabble, download the app and you can easily copy the Crunch Time AFL bet with one click. So go on, have a Dabble, Dabble socially and gamble responsibly. Thanks, Josh. We'll have a chat next week. Thanks, guys. Now, the final teams have come in and the subs have been locked in for the North Melbourne Geelong Clash. Mm-hmm. Who's the subs? I'm just going to get to. Dalhouse <laughs> and Ford. There you go. 
Eddie Ford and Luke Dalhouse are the Medi subs. No late changes, which is good for both sides. And I'm just reading in this article on afl.com.au. These clubs have faced off in Tasmania just once before in round 21 last Good. year. Pickers. So I was right. We haven't, we haven't been there much, our boys, but <laughs> once. And it happened to be last year. But and the Cats, of course, like seven games won that ago. game. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Real goose. <laughs> seven games, but, you know, probably six months ago. So we'll forgive you on that one. <laughs> well, Gregor wasn't letting me get off with it. <laughs> no, he's he, And wasn't. you notice the old teammate out from hell over here, he jumped away at me too. I here last year. <laughs> well, we talked about West Coast, but what about Port Adelaide? Because their first win, it was, I'm guessing for Ken Hinckley, a massive relief to get that one. The duck is broken. Get it off your back. And now you can try to kind of get some kind of momentum moving forward. Do you think, Pickers, this could kickstart their season? They face the Saints next round in Cairns. Yeah, well, it could. Absolutely. They just needed something to get them going. And once they – they thought they were a bit scrappy early, but once they got rolling up in that second quarter, they were away. But oh, there's too much talent for them to be where they were. That's for sure. I mean, I, I still think it's a bridge too far for them to make the eight now. Although you look at the ladder, only a game out. Two games out, sorry. Two games out of the eight. But Funnier things have happened what, in the season. What they did do is they picked up a whole heap of percentage yesterday with an 84-point uh, win. So their percentage isn't diabolical at the moment. So it's not beyond realms, but I think it's unlikely. I mean, we spoke about it earlier, JJ, with Connor Rosie sp- playing more time in the midfield um, over yep. the last couple of weeks. I think he's attended 29 centre bounces in the last fortnight. He only had seven before then, but you had Travis Spoke with 34 touches. Ollie Wines, great to see him back um, and he seemed, by all reports, to to get through unscathed after having that heart scare a fortnight ago. Thirty three touches um, himself, and then Marshall and Finlayson um, five goals. The one who's so underrated for mine, and I, I just maybe it's Victorian centric. We just don't talk about Dan Houston. Dan Good Houston. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say Dan Houston. He's a uh, he's a great kick. He's a very very good kick of the footy. Um, I think they they love to use him down back and through the middle because he is such a good kick of the footy, but. He's been getting a lot. He's he's one of the guys pickers. So Port have been getting a lot of the footy. You know, their mids like Boke and Wines and Willem Drew, these guys, been getting a lot of the footy and winning the stats. Like the, the statistical night against Hawthorne was just one of the strangest things of all time. They won everything except got obliterated on the scoreboard. But Dan Houston's the one pickers who, when he gets it 30 times, it actually results in scores because he's such a, a penetrating and accurate kick. I was just thinking that actually this morning that, you know, you look at the Carlton midfielders' numbers, like huge numbers compared to, to mm. Fremantle, but were they just possessions versus yeah. quality? Yeah. Like the quality possessions that Brasher and these guys got last night, Sarong, much, much different to a lot of possessions where they were racking them up for Carlton in the back end. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, possessions are one thing, but it's what you do with them and how you use them and how you, how you involve the rest of your team when you do get the ball is the key. Certainly, as our experts today are here for Buy My Stock, got excess stock, visit buymystock.com.au. More Sunday crunch time on the other side of this break. The award winning crunch time. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time. Matt Edwards, Josh Jenkins and Liam Pickering with you as we count down to the clash between North Melbourne and Geelong down in Tassie. And we can see some pictures. It is a beautiful day down there in Tassie. Apparently, no wind to speak of and beautiful blue skies. The sun is out. 
for what hopefully is a cracking game of football on this Sunday. And joining us now is North Melbourne's forwards coach, Heath Uni. Heath, welcome to Sunday Crunch Time. Hi, Nat. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you on, Heath. How are things looking down there in Tassie? We had Sean Grigg on from the Cats just uh, a little while ago and he said it's, it's pretty perfect conditions. Yeah, we arrived yesterday and it was a lovely day here yesterday, um, but today's perfect. No wind, sun's out. I've had to go under a bit of shelter because the sun's uh, <laughs> coming in pretty uh, bright. So, uh, lovely day here in Tassie. Need to be sun smart, that's for sure, Heath. Now, I wanted to ask you, obviously, last week, that first, that opening quarter, the, the Roos were just completely blown out of the water, but you were competitive after that. How important is it to get a good start today and has that been a real focus for you? Yeah, it has. And, and we're obviously trying to find some consistency with the way we're playing at the moment. Last week's first quarter was, you know, obviously unacceptable the way we, we started that game. Um, but the previous week against Sydney, uh, we come out really, really strong and uh, got the game on our terms for, for a fair part of it. Um, so today's first quarter, in particular, first 10 minutes, against the quality outfit in Geelong, we need to make sure we uh, acquit ourselves well. Hey, a couple of important inclusions. In particular, Zerha, who I don't think's quite hit his straps so far this year, but he's an important yeah. player in your forward half. Yeah, he is. Um, he missed last week with some concussion, he, and he actually didn't play against Geelong at all last year through some injuries. So, look, he, he's he's one of those ones that when he's playing really well, he uh, plays in all phases of the game. His contest is really strong, but he can hit the scoreboard. And Obviously, we're looking forward to having him back, uh, along with Paul Curtis, who will make his debut. Paul's a, a Western Jets boy who mm. he's got some real goal sense. So we're hoping he can uh, contribute on the scoreboard as well. I assume one of your key mandates as the, as the forwards coach is defensive pressure inside your forward half. Tom Stewart's such a critical player for Geelong. I mean, he yeah. is one player you would have put some work in. Yeah, yeah, we'll have uh, we'll have someone sort of make sure that um, they play on him for periods of time. Not a tag as such, but just understand his strengths and try to remove that away from him. He's airily very good and then he gets involved in their ball movement so our guys uh, will need to make sure they work together but um, yeah hopefully with Jack Siebel down there Nick Larky and Cam we can we can sort of put some pressure on him uh, when the ball comes forward. Heath uh, Josh Jenkins here mate good luck this afternoon not a not a whole heap of good luck but some <laughs> some <laughs> level of hopefully Thanks, ho- hopefully Thanks, your area of the ground goes well the other two um, are terrible um, what, how are you trying to how are you trying to balance um, uh, Todd Goldstein's role in the team Tristan Cherry's probably come from the clouds a little bit you guys probably you know expected him or knew that he was capable of what he has but um, he's keeping Coleman Jones out of the side but how are you balancing Goldstein's role as a you know, more forward than Rock, but still trying to get him around the footy because he still is such a, a good player. Yeah, really good question, JJ. And it's one that probably throughout the preseason that X, we just couldn't keep him out of the team with his competitiveness and the way he went about it. And he, and he grew so much over the summer. So he deserved the number one spot. And what we knew with um, with Todd, he can actually move pretty well to that to that second Ruck. So we, we put him down forward. And other than last week, he was able to contribute on the scoreboard most weeks. So we feel that he can do that, and then, given his ruck experience, can go in um, at different stages and, and give X a bit of a chop out. But it's generally 50-50, maybe 60-40 uh, X's way. So we're looking for a really strong contribution from Todd, given his experience today. Now, so what does that mean for, for Callum Coleman-Jones? I imagine yeah. we spoke to Anthony Rocker 
uh, in round two. Mm. I imagine there's some pretty ongoing conversations with him about what it looks like for him and how he gets his way in the side because I presume um, part of the sell was, you know, don't play VFL for Richmond, come and play AFL for us and it's not happening for him. So is there a bit of a conversation piece with him from week to week? Yeah, look, and you're spot on. And Josh, you've been there as a player. You need clarity as a player where you sit. Um, and we're trying to do that regularly with with um, with CJ. And one of the things, you know, unfortunately, he was going really strong, hurt himself against Melbourne, then got COVID. So he just hasn't had a really good run at it. Played a really strong game a few weeks ago. Um, then they had a bye to VFL. And last week, last week, he was pretty good. And to be honest, it was a really good conversation on the match committee this week uh, in regard to whether he gets that opportunity. Now, for, for CJ, he needs to continually put uh, pressure on both our rucks. And um, and we're looking forward to him doing that tonight at uh, Frankston. Heath, I'm curious about what the, the mood and the vibe has been like down um, at North Melbourne this week coming off that Good Friday loss because you've got a really young, one of the youngest uh, groups going around in, in the competition at the moment. It might be easy for them to drop their heads. What has the, the vibe been like and I guess what's the leadership group been doing to, to keep morale up? Yeah, really good question, Nat. It, it's, it's an interesting one. We, where we're at a, at our point of development, we've focused heavily on on a key some key areas around marginal gains. Like, yes, we'd love to win every game we play, but we need to look for little wins along the way. And certainly last week, um, the performance holistically wasn't at the level. We felt our second quarter in particular, you know, we got within 20, hit the post. We felt that second quarter was probably a brand of footy that we want to stand for. So we, we pulled that apart, looked at, looked at that um, in an isolation to see what we could learn from that and what we can bring in more consistently today. But the guys have been wonderful. You, know, you wouldn't walk into our footy club thinking uh, we're one and four. Um, the guys have been really bubbly. Uh, we've got a young group, so they move on pretty quickly. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a good place to go to work still, that's for sure. And it'd be great to have one of your young, talented players coming back in and Taron Thomas returns from that internal bruising. So he's all yeah. good to go. And, and I I'm, I'm imagine he'd be champing at the bit to get back out there. Yeah, he, uh, you know, prior to getting the all clear this week on the Monday, he, he's come into match and said, I'm ready to play, irrespective of what they say. So that's a great <laughs> sign for a young guy that wants to get out and try to help. And we know the talent Taron has. And he's made a remarkable recovery, you know, when he when uh, he hurt himself. There was reports six weeks. We just didn't know with that internal bruising. Uh, bruising health is most important. So great to have Taz back. He's a great, uh, a great talent, as I said, and... Um, generally plays well down here. Heath, thank you so much for joining us on Sunday Crunch Time. I genuinely mean this. Those, the other two probably don't, but best of luck for the game um, this afternoon. Uh, have a great call. Thanks for having me on. Enjoy the game. Thanks, Heath. Heath Uni there from the North Melbourne Football Club. Fancy starting your question, JJ, with uh, good luck for today. Oh, well, I kind of mean it. I mean, come on. We didn't believe well, you. I, hey, I know <laughs> Heath really today. well. He was, he, was, uh, he was at the Crows. So most oh, people, won't, most people he... won't know him um, or won't know who, who Heath Uni is. But he's a, he, I think he was, he was rookie listed by West Coast back in the day. Um, and I don't think he played any AFL footy. He played, had a good career for North Adelaide in the SNFL. He's got a really good teaching background. So he, he was head of development at the Crows when I was there. He's got a really good ability to teach and to prepare and be planned as teachers are. And um, David Noble knows that or knew that and got him across to the to the Roos and he's looking after their forward. So he's a good operator, Heath, and um, hopefully 
Well, I don't care if he took offence to it because it's just the well, truth, Nat. I hope the Cats win. He hopes the well, Roos win. It and is what it is. You and I are A-plus students anyway because we uh, both got the oh, good, uh, good question. question. Good and question. Because where was your good question? Well, because I threw him with a, with a Tom Stewart <laughs> tricky one. This is a thing. When you, you know, you're giving them hang balls on the goal square, you're going to get a good question. It's a good question. <laughs> Oh, oh gosh! Oh, twelve good. p.m. starter. He can't even get a good question in. <laughs> We've well, had an hour's head start. That's why. An hour to get your act together, you two. Oh gosh! Oh, it it does indeed. All right. Just uh, recapping the news that the medical subs. There are no late changes for either side, but Eddie Ford is the medical sub for the North Melbourne Football Club, and the Cats is. It just slipped my mind. Luke Dalhouse, Luke the Dalhouse. mini man. It is indeed. Two debutants today, Paul Curtis and Oliver Dempsey as well. So I'll be interested to see how those two go in their first AFL matches, and we wish them all the best with that one. One yeah, focus absolutely. for the Roos. First 10 minutes, yeah. smack them around and see what happens. You can tell it's not really David Noble's thing as a coach, but he will be because they'll be in there saying we have, because their performances have been so up and down and more down than up. But... But when they did bring that, in, in fairness, JJ, when they did bring the heat against Sydney, Sydney found it really difficult to shake them. Yeah. And I've got yeah. a feeling there's going to be similar, a similar type setup today. So Nick yep. Del Santo said yesterday on Saturday crunch time that he thinks the Ruse could provide the sneaky upset of the weekend. And we already had that, obviously, with the Crows. The Crows. But do you think? Well, could you I, smell I, I, think, something? I think it'll be close. But personally, I think it'll be a really close game. I, I hope so. I, uh, yeah. As a neutral fan, you yeah, want yeah, to absolutely. see a close game. Well, from a commentary perspective, perspective, you know, I mean, if it's your team, you want them to win by ten goals. But everyone else wants a close game, don't they? And I think it will be. Ben uh, Ben Mackay's had a um, a decent little record on Tom Hawkins in the past couple of years. He's he's a, he's got the body size and the frame to match Hawk. And Cameron's the one who might get off the chain. He didn't play last year, so Sam DeConning played as a forward early in the year against the um, against the Ruse. So Cameron missed. Um, Aiden Court might be a giant v giant. Aiden Court because yep. I don't think Josh mm. Walker could run with Jeremy Cameron. And, I think it'll um, be Core. I think Core will I go. I think it'll Cameron. be Core. Core. Core was all at sea a few times last week against Bonton Pally and a few of those guys. So Cameron might be the uh, match winner if Mackay can hold Hawkins. Do you like the ruse persisting with? Jack Zebel up forward? Pickers? Well, it's only been a week or two weeks. Two sorry. weeks. Yeah. Two weeks and. I think it's a better move. <laughs> I, I don't think JJ likes well, I, I just think you can get a, you can expose Jack in the back line. When he's in the back line, I think you can get exposed as, as a defender. That's, that's what I, th- I think it's probably the best spot for him slow. at the moment. You know, I think his league speed does get him in a little bit of trouble in, mm. when he's in defence. Mm. The wrong matchup can really hurt him. Uh, he's a beautiful yeah. kick, Jack Zebel, and uh, the fact that he's played for I don't think it's a bad move. He'll put he'll put pressure on. He's a wrecking ball out in the ground. We know that. Hmm. I don't disagree. I just don't like when they play him as a full forward because. I think they've got Nick Larkey, who's got a really, really big future. He's already proven to be a, a good forward. I just think that Larkey should be their primary focus. So no problems playing him as a forward, but he needs to sort of play between 30 and 70 from goal and not be the focal point as, um, as such because I think Larkey's deserved that um, mantle and, and that's the future. So that's, that's the only little query I have on it. All right, our talk back is for Kogan Mobile. Make the switch. Switch to Kogan Mobile. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time. Thanks to Kerth Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. We'll be back right after this. The Chicken Deluxe Burger at Macca's. Tender Aussie. The award-winning Crunch Time. 
Welcome back to Sunday Crunch Time. Matt Edwards, Liam Pickering and Josh Jenkins with you on this Sunday as we count down to the game between North Melbourne and Geelong down in Tassie. And the conditions down in Tassie are perfect at the moment. No wind to speak of. Blue skies. The sun is out and we're hoping from a neutrals perspective, it's going to be a good game and at least both sides need to get off to a good start in the opening term. Now, we've unpacked what's happened across the weekend, Pickers. Now, JJ is absolutely sick of talking about umpire descent. Oh, so am I. So let's not, let's not do, let's not do so it anymore. So let's not. Let's, let's just spend a tiny oh, bit of time. Do we have to? Do you oh, think, do you think <laughs> that we are clear now? Not really. But does it really matter? There's going to be mistakes every week. I mean, can we just all move on? We're going to have a whole week of talk back. The pipe's going to be taking your calls after 12 every day on a day of a daytime. He's going to be talking. People are going to be ringing him all afternoon. I don't really want to be talking about it on a Sunday. I must say. Oh, there's a game about to start in about 15 minutes. Uh, look, I think it'll, it'll just, it'll, it'll just it'll sort, it, it'll sort itself out without us spending, I reckon, everyone spending another week talking about it. That's my view. I think we, the, I we think saw it last night, Nat. We saw Sean Darcy. He, he, oh, yeah, he realised. He, he, he realized kind of pulled the, his hair out yeah, of his head. It'll, yeah. it'll, it'll, it'll get sorted out. Like, it, I like think the is. players and the coaches are clear on it. It is probably just fans and yeah. at times the media who are like, oh, what is going on? But we probably perpetuate this a little is, bit. This what? is the thing. This is, this is my lifelong legacy for as long as oh. whether it's a week or a lifetime in this media game pickers, we don't. We don't have to get outraged about about things like just let society. it go and just and just there'll be a few bad ones. I'll miss a few. It's all right. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you, and I've been like this for a long, long time. Nah, it's, like, it's okay. Why are we all so outraged at everything? Everything's an outrage. Oh, it's outrageous. What's going on? It's like can we just move on? It's a bloody umpire free kick. Who cares? But we do love really to matter? be outraged. Maybe we need to find something more to do. COVID has had a bad effect on us. I reckon the last two years well, we've got all this pent up anger. Yeah, well, I think it is. And I just, just uh, to me, it's just, anyway, we just waste so much energy talking about such little parts of the game. They're little things. Like, they're, they're, 99% of the game's excellent. And there's 1%, there might be an issue or two. We just spend most of our time talking about the 1%. It makes yeah, no sense. Let's, let's get ahead around uh, the umpire descent rules, because I don't know Brad Scott very well, but I know Chris Scott re- fairly well, and... They're twins, so I imagine they're similar. He ain't going to back off. No, he won't be. He won't be. We're going to have to deal with it, so let's just do it. All right, and we'll move on. So in saying that, let's move on because uh, the North Melbourne Football Club is about to run out onto the ground at Blundstone Arena. The ins for North Melbourne, Taron Thomas, returns from internal bruising. He's a massive boost for the Roos. Paul Curtis makes his debut. Cam Zerha back from concussion. Um, out goes Aaron Hall with a hamstring. Jaden Stevenson is ill. Tom Powell and Eddie Ford both omitted, although Eddie Ford is now the medical sub for the Roos. The Cats bring back Sean Higgins. Oliver Dempsey makes his debut. We saw a jumper presentation a little moment ago, which was a lovely moment for the 19-year-old forward and the Cats out. Patrick Dangerfield with a corked calf. Luke Dalhouse managed but is the medical sub today and Jack Henry out with that foot injury. The Ruse, one and four. The Cats, three and two. I think they're going to miss Aaron Hall. I mean, his runoff yes. halfback is really yeah, that's important a, that's for Yeah, that's a big loss, isn't it? Well, I think just because he gives them terrific drive. Like, he's a real yep. metres game player and he, he's normally a good kick. So, I think he'll be a loss today for North. Mm, agreed. He gives them what they don't have a lot of, and that is exactly what Picker said. So, be interesting. I'm anticipating. I know the weather's good, but I'm I am anticipating and and 
a lowish scoring game. I think it might be a little bit uglier than we than we're hoping for. I think the Roos will be keen to put it um, in a scrap and make it a bit of a dogfight for as long as possible. Because I think if the if it's a if it's a battle of talent, then then the Cats should probably prevail quite comfortably. But they've got a few areas like Reece Stanley. I know you mentioned him earlier. Pickers like they North will feel like they can get an advantage in the ruck. Um, Cherry and Goldstein versus Stanley and probably Blitzarves again. So. Um, they've got a couple of areas of the ground where they probably should feel good about themselves, the Roos. Where's Radagalera at at the moment? I thought this, um, this would have been a perfect game, in my view, for him to play. Yeah, he's probably about 10 k's from where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> well, uh, ask him what he's of, doing wrong? <laughs> in terms of... I think he's, he's got a bit of a... It's a funny one. He's got a he's got some health um, issues or some injury ailments, a couple that he's... He, he needs... I mean, ideally, he needs a few weeks to strengthen and to get those things right, but you just don't have that luxury. So I think they, the plan is if they need him, they'll pick him, but ideally, they'll give him the opportunity to, to fix up his issues and give him a, a fair crack at it in the back half of the year. So what are the key matchups for this game for Illuminate Garden, Garden Lighting Pickers? What's the big one for you? Well, I think there's a couple. I think that one that JJ just mentioned, I mean, Stanley, Stanley's all duck, no dinner at times. Like when he's on, he's really good and the Cats look a much better team. When he's getting first use, he's really competing hard. I didn't think he did it all last week. I thought he was poor. Uh, and the other one is Hawkins versus Mackay. Mackay is a terrific defender. He's a really underrated key, key back. In my view, he's one of the better key backs in the comp, and that'll be a big matchup as well. I like. Um, I want to look at these. You know, we always talk about the midfielders, and they get way too much credit. The uh, no, they don't. the mids, but the ruse, the ruse starting um, on ballers. They 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 got to give themselves a chance. Like Simpkin, um, Davies, Uniac, Hugh Greenwood's a really good clearance player. Horn Francis goes through there a little bit. They'll give themselves a bit of a chance. So. You know, no, no danger field. I reckon Mitch Duncan might go through there a bit more pickers today. He's been thrown around a bit. I reckon he'll be uh, he'll be heavily involved. Salwood, Guthrie, Parfit. They had their lowest colour last week, and the Roos will give themselves a chance around the footy. Did you say they had their lowest coloured? It'll be a nice <laughs> one for next week. Lowered. He said lowest coloured. <laughs> oh no, uh, absolutely. Oh, it's did. a bit like code that, please. For next week, I'm all off the bench. I'm all at sea here because I thought the footy was at the Cattery and it's in Tassie, so I'm uh, I'm bugging. <laughs> it looks like a nice day down there at the Cattery. Maybe you should Glorious go for a kick day. after that. Glorious. I mean, if there's one thing I'm critical of about this city, it is the weather, but um, it's beautiful God's today. Country. So, um, and I'm going to enjoy the great weather by going inside and watching a game of footy <laughs> for three hours. <laughs> well, you could have made the trek up and actually commentated the game like you were supposed to. Well, I wasn't. Um, he no, didn't want to park really in your car. He's not allowed. He can't do the Cats games. <laughs> no. The Cats reckon he's too, he's, too, he's too biased. <laughs> that is fair <laughs> enough. Well, we are looking forward to this clash this afternoon. Of course, this is not the only game of football that is coming your way on this Sunday afternoon because following this one, we have the Q Clash, Gold Coast Ooh. and the Brisbane Lions 4-10 up at Metricon Stadium. Good to see Connor Butterick coming back to play his first game after an ACL injury for the Suns and then Kadeen Coleman returns for the Lions. Then, of course, Richmond and Melbourne do battle tonight at the MCG, the Anzac Eve clash. That should be a cracking game. And then tomorrow, a public holiday, Anzac Day, of course, Hawthorne and Sydney um, down in Utah's at 12.30 and then Essendon and Collingwood, the traditional Anzac Day clash at the MCG at 3.20 and I think all eyes will be on the Bombers to see if they can actually uh, make something of their season and bounce back. Jake Stringer and Zach Merritt are the big ins. Are they, are they actually going to play? That's well, a big question, isn't it? I mean, 
at this stage, they're, they're in the side. So we uh, wait and see what happens. But, gosh, Essendon need to so- show something tomorrow on Anzac yeah. Day against Collingwood. They do, and I think they will. I think they'll come with a, a bit of intent tomorrow, uh, as they should every week. But I don't think they did last week. I thought they were really poor. Tipping them? Are you, yeah, are I you am. Tipping them? You are. I am, but I'm, a, I'm having such a bad Jesus. time in tipping. I tip Giants. I tip Carlton. I'm really got, and I've tipped the Bulldogs, so I'm going hopeless. So I wouldn't be taking my tips as anything that's uh, any sort of a judge. But I do actually give Eston a chance tomorrow. I do. Yeah. Okay. I, I think um, the Lions and D's will combine. Their victories will combine for a hundred point margin. I think they'll smack. Oh. I think Brisbane will smack Gold Coast. They don't like the little brother up there in the, on the uh, on the sunny coast, as Sunshine State. And I think Melbourne will handle Richmond. I think they'll give them a beating tonight. Do you oh. really? I, I yeah. don't. I actually think, I think Richmond, Richmond are really competitive oh. tonight. Oh. My uh, view, fifty but... plus. Jeez, that's a big call. That is a big call. We will revisit that next week on Sunday Crunch Time. Thanks, Pickers and JJ, for joining us. It's been great. Thank you for joining us on Crunch Time. Stay with us. We'll have all the AFL action all day wherever you are listening. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.